0: Welcome to episode 143 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Returnal. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know her, you love her, her name is Katie France.
1: Hello! I'm back. I'm excited.
0: And here, back again, with, I'm sure, a slew of returnal puns for the episode, it is Flora Eloise. Flora, hello.
2: Somehow, I am here yet again to talk about a game set in the Pacific Northwest. Like, it's been three in a row. We had Celeste, we had Life is Strange, and here we are again with Returnal. So, good to be here.
0: I need to know, how's your adrenaline right now?
2: Increasing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well cool today we're talking about a game called uh returnal developed by housemark published by sony interactive entertainment for the playstation 5 released on april 30th of 2021 uh, we start the show like we start all of our programs with the fast pitch a one sentence description of the game that we are about to talk about who wants to give their uh one sentence pitch on
2: this bad boy first i'll go ahead um Returnal for me is like if Nietzsche's eternal recurrence was embodied as a video game, but like there was no illusion of free will and God never existed.
1: Wow, I really wish I had gone first. <laughs> I...
0: <laughs> Do you want to go second then? That was impressive. I don't know how to top that.
1: Um, um uh, Returnal is a uh roguelike action shooter with... Uh, creepy astronauts and blue oyster cult. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> I got good. I got no niche over here. Sorry. Uh, well,
0: you don't have a niche, but at least you're intelligent. My, oh God, what am I going to say? Returnal is a time loop game. Good job. Well put. Thank you. Landed Thank it. Thank you. That's all I, ha- hey, just like the spacecraft at the start of Returnal, but we're going to loop around landed, to that yes. in a moment after we talk about the time capsule. It's so when we tell you what happened around the release of Returnal, uh I need to know when y'all got your PS5s, because I think that that's a good place to start to talk about what happened when the PS5 came out. Flora, when did you get your PS5?
2: It had to be July of 2021 for me. It took, I think it was roughly eight months after the actual release to be able to find one at retail price. Mm-hmm. Um And I snagged one by being like a pro reward member at GameStop. And so I got one in a bundle with Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man Miles Morales. And I think Return was the first game I bought separately for the system.
1: Okay, okay. Katie, same deal? No, pre-ordered, baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was waiting for my my email from Walmart telling me it was in. I was hoping they wouldn't screw me over and give it to me like five days late. I was like, "It's release day! I want my PS Five. Where is it, Walmart?" And they (laughs) gave it to me day one. So, uh, good job, Walmart. So, yeah, right away. What did you get with it? Um, what did I get? My initial buys were Miles Morales and um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I Mm kind of dropped off of. It was it's just too big, too big. Miles Morales, great. And then Returnal, I got. I'm pretty sure I think when it came out, I'm I was really excited about it, and I was like, I want things to play. So, yeah, I, I got it pretty much when it came out. I think Which it's was, pretty I, I think, like, what, this,
0: a few months later? This was, like, the big first game that hit PlayStation 5, right?
2: Yeah, I think Demon's Souls was out before, but that kind of, being a remake, didn't have the same sort of unknown, what's the next-gen vibe supposed to be like, and Returnal definitely felt like the first iteration of that.
0: I got my PlayStation 5 in July, and uh, I got the Ratchet & Clank bundle from Costco, uh, when they had some available. And I think I got the Ratchet, uh, game and then I bought Returnal because it was the new hotness that had been out two or three months because there wasn't really anything else in the slate that I absolutely wanted to play apart from Returnal and Ratchet. So that, that's when I got mine. Uh, a lot of games came out around, uh, the release of Returnal, including Judgment, uh, the part of the Yakuza series. I guess you're a big Yakuza fan. Is it officially part of the, the same canon? Like, how does that work?
2: It's set in the same world, but it's not actually, like, the same focused characters. It's a different storyline, but, like, there's enough DNA that's similar to where I think Yakuza fans will naturally find something in Judgment.
0: Okay, okay. Um, Other games that came out at the same time. Near Replicant came out the same week as as Returnal. Uh, We may or may not be playing that game on the podcast. Stay tuned. Uh, And Super Meat Boy Forever. Uh, On the same day, we got New Pokemon Snap. So I, I think that uh, I played that one first, but New Pokemon Snap came out the same day as, as Returnal. Um, I think it was the first big exclusive on the PlayStation 5 that people really cared about.
1: Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, Ratchet was out there, but like we all know Ratchet... Like, people are like, oh, people who wanted to play Ratchet were going to play Ratchet. There was nothing that, yeah, like you said, exciting, unknown. It was, um, also, they had kind of hyped up how much they had utilized the dual sense and, like, all the features. So everyone was really excited about that because nothing else had really landed that yet mm-hmm. um, except for, like, Astro's Playroom. But also, that's a tech demo, right? That was the yeah. whole purpose of it. So I was really excited to see it, what... A company could do using a game and developing it specifically with DualSense and like how it would work out and if it would be like as good as Astro's Playroom, which I'm not as good, but I think we'll get to it. But I think they did a really good job.
2: Yeah, and I think that like this being one of the first major IPs for the PS5, right? everything else kind of borrowed from or built upon something from the last generation. So I think that kind of led a little bit of mystique to the whole presence. Like Katie mentioned, like they touted things like the SSD of the PS5 as well. Like this game couldn't run without that technology. Um <laughs> And like, I-, I think there's room, I-, I hope we get into like the DualSense conversation part of it. But around the launch of the game, I was actually put off because of the intense discussion around game difficulty and the lack of like compromising design. This game shipped without any sort of easy mode or adjustment to do something that some people would exploit as, like, suspending your cycle and other things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And then there was also, like, this kind of vociferous discussion around the price point of PS5-exclusive games, which, at least in US dollars, is something close to 70. And so a lot of people were questioning whether something like Returnal, which some people could get through in just, like, a dozen tries. I don't know how, but um, some people claim that they've done that. Um, Some people think, you know, is that really worth the time and the money um, moving up to the next gen versus these other games that take, like, um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you know, like, 3,000 hours.
0: I remember this discussion really vividly, and I came to it after. So, like, imagine that when the game comes out in April, I come three months later, and I think at that point the game had been patched to include a better, like, uh, suspend feature because before you had to keep the game on pause, put your PlayStation to rest if you wanted a break from the game. And like some of these runs and, and I'll read a review that actually mentions how this was a, a detriment to the game's uh, like six critical success in their mind. But having the runs be, you know, 40 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, two hours at some stages without having some sort of save feature was a, a huge minus that, that really hit the game. And I think held it back from a lot of the game of the year conversations that happened six to eight months later.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people just weren't, it, it was a deterrent. They just, it was sounded like a thing that a bullet they didn't want to bite. Like they're just like, do I want to get involved in this? And some people don't like it. And it, it was kind of mixed, even though critically it was like, uh, overwhelmingly positive reviews. There was just a couple little things that really hung around in the news. Like there was a lot of headlines about about there's no save feature and there's no this and there's no that and it's really hard. And yeah, I think it put a lot of people off. Like I said, even though it had really good reviews.
0: Yeah, I think famously it, uh, when the Game Awards slate came out for the year, uh, Returnal wasn't part of the six games, if I believe, that that were nominated for the Game of the Year, and a lot of people were like, hey, this should probably be here instead of one of the six games. Uh, but it did win Best Action Game at, the, at uh, the Game Awards, it won a BAFTA for Best Game Audio Achievement, Best Music, and Best Performance from a Leading Role, and then there are some podcasts like Fire Escape that named it its, its Game of the Year. So it did get some accolades, despite reviews when it first came out being quite mixed.
1: No, it did really well. Yeah, like it it this game crushed. Yep. It just had like some little weird things when it came out, where there was like you said a little bit of mixed stuff. But no, it it's very very successful game, which I'm thrilled about. I'm happy for Housemark. I'm so excited to see what they do next. Um, they just kind of keep building and building on what they're doing, and it's it's very exciting.
0: I mean, especially given Housemark's lineage of being a studio that was making like I don't know what kind of shooters you call them, but like. Uh, bullet hell shooters is I, I guess what I'd call them like Super Stardust HD they managed to take that style of game and make it into a character action roguelike that I think is pretty
2: damn good yeah, this was actually my first Housemark game and I've heard nothing but praise for their other titles like they've typically been billed to me as like arcade shooters and fans of like at least this developer have seemed to suggest that like it's really refreshing that they stayed true to their formula is like a sentiment that I continually hear in places like Digital Foundry and and otherwise. I didn't realize that either of you had played some Housemark games before.
1: I have touched Superstars HD. There's one of them. Same thing that I kind of dabbled with. I forget the name of it, but I I I was aware of them. I kind of touched them a little bit. I they're a little bit surfacey. Like there wasn't there was less meat than Returnal. Mm -hmm. This is where it really like built up into this uh, really good story, and um, uh, it just kind of like unravels itself. And there's new stuff all the time that you're experiencing and new story beats. And um, I just found it really exciting whereas opposed to the other ones are more. Um, or arcade-y, where it's like, no, you're just you're playing the game, and it's an action game, and and I, most of the time, at some point, I'll lose interest a little bit. Like there, there isn't like that hook. Whereas this game has uh, hooks, hooks galore, grapple hooks sometimes.
0: <laughs> hey, a few more games that Housemark made: Outland, uh, which was an Xbox Live arcade game from 2011, published by Ubisoft. It was one where you had like you could switch between blue and red, like. um... Uh, energies and flip between different like it was like a puzzle game that you had to flip between dark and light uh they made Super Stardust HD and Resogun would probably be like their most um recognizable uh games but they just got purchased by PlayStation Studios after the success of this game so I guess congratulations to the team at, at Housemark in Finland uh for your acquisition by Sony business um, I'm going to read off a few reviews of this game uh, to show how mixed they were. Um, GameSpot gave it a 9, said Returnal blends elements of shooters, roguelikes, action games, and horror to redefine bullet hell and conjure a mysterious moody masterpiece. IGN said 8, Out of 10, its roguelike runs are too long and it needs a way to save in the middle of them. But Returnal's third person shooter action, clever story, and atmosphere are excellent. Destructoid said seven and a half and said Returnal is a mostly thrilling sci-fi action romp that suffers from a lack of scale at times. I don't agree with that at all, but let me finish reading. In the moment, I'm completely fixated on my run, upgrading like a fiend and dashing around for iframes like I was playing a Capcom game, but after the run ends and I'm looking at the bigger picture, Returnal can feel a little smaller than it actually is. Keep that in mind before you take the pricey plunge. Flora, you mentioned essentially almost everything that this review said, and I typically don't like to call out specific reviews having reviewed games in a past life. Uh, it's hard, uh, but I don't know if I agree with most of this this headline from their review.
2: Yeah, and I know that play, uh, people like Gene Park even, um, express at the time of release that like, Um, he was someone who really loved playing difficult games like Dark Souls and stuff just to, like, unwind and relax, I believe is what he said at the review. Um, but he was unable to finish the game because of how, like, difficult it was and stuff like that as well. So, like, across the board, even people who would otherwise be fans of this have expressed some mixed sentiments. Um, the price point, though, at least in my experience, like, maybe we'll get here, but I spent about 50 hours in this game. For me, it's absolutely, given its value times, you know, 50 at this point. Um, And at the very least, like the price of entry for just seeing next-gen delivery of... At the, I mean, the dual sense controller is a marvel to behold in this game, um, in a number of different scenarios. But like back to the point about scale as well, like I, I also, I, I would push back against that. I think that some of the most interesting and most memorable moments in this game happen in these larger set pieces, specifically with bosses, but also like the structure of the multiple biomes and how they kind of unfold into each other with like an ascension and descension, which I'm sure we'll get to.
0: Um, I played the game for, uh, 32 hours and I did 104 runs. Uh, I was looking it up while you were, while you were talking. So tons of value from this as well. Katie, I don't know if you have
1: your run time or run amount. uh, uh I, I'm pretty sure at this point I'm 50, 60 hours approaching. Um, and also then the content that they've added since. They've added the, um, new mode, the arcade mode, the Tower of Sisyphus. That is, I didn't think, that I would dive into that. I'm not a DLC person. I don't usually go back to a game once I'm done it. And I was like, I'll mess around with this because we're doing this pod, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up like, no, I'm crushing this. I got all the story beats. I was like, I'm not finishing this until I get my DLC credits, which I did. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But yeah, highly recommend.
0: Uh, I'm going to ask about that DLC a little bit later. Um, we all played this on PS5. I think that's fair to say. Um, so what I would love to do is just really set up what kind of game Returnal is by asking the question, "Y'all play some roguelikes? Let me know
1: what you like in roguelikes." Oh my goodness, I like all kinds of roguelikes. Uh huh. Um, I love. Uh, I like my my deck building strategy card games. I like my action. which are usually more like top down. Uh, I like uh, Binding of Isaac, which mm-hmm. friend of the pod. Control-Alt Noob got me into real hard. I'll just keep playing it forever. <laughs> um, I've got a couple others. Hades is another one. Yep. I didn't love it as much as, uh, as Jacob, but Top still. Top game of big all time. fan. Great game. Great game. <laughs> uh, Enter the Gungeons, great. Rogue Legacy. Rogue Legacy 2 just came out, and I'm already in hard. It's become my... I usually unwind at the end of the night with a roguelike mm-hmm. of some sort, because I just like it. I play some music, and I play roguelike. Um, I have never played one like this, though, I don't think. Because I can't think of a third-person action shooter that uh, that's a roguelike that I've played. Like uh, Maybe I have, but nothing's coming to mind. So this was kind of hit that itch that I really like, but it was uh, different from other roguelikes that I've played. Flora.
2: Yeah, I... I feel a little out of my element on this question because I really don't play a lot of roguelikes. Um, Hades would be the closest comparison point, um, and you can hear my thoughts about that in the episode we recorded, but I... Ultimately, I think Hades and Returnal are the two that I really sunk time in, and I might be forgetting one obvious, like, choice that, you know, I'll hit myself later for not mentioning, but those are the two that come to mind, and so, um, I I will probably be making a number of comparisons between those games. It's hard to extract from those two examples, like, what design elements I really enjoy. Um, because those are, I mean, they, they already feel very fundamentally separate in terms of their genre, like placement, the graphical presentation, the way the story unfolds, um, even just the thematic elements of the plot, like all of it feels so different. It's hard to compare them other than the fact that you simply just like explore a bunch of rooms that eventually become familiar, but for the first several hours feel kind of strange and alien. And the more you play, the more you can anticipate and kind of unthinkingly internalize the movement and the combat. And that's about all I could really say that they have in common personally. I th-
1: I think I have an idea of the hook, of the connector that is making you like both of these games, is mm. that dying is not a Bad thing because it progresses the story. Mm-hmm. I, if it's a good roguelike, you feel like you got something out of it. That you're like, oh, like Hades, every time you die, you go back to the, the, the hub and you can t- talk to the people and you advance your little stories. Each time you die with Celine, you might get to go into the house again and like you'll get new logs, you'll get new scout logs, and you'll get new weapons. And like uh, the story is advancing even though you are dying repeatedly. So I think story um, advancement. Through Death would be my connection there yeah. between those two games.
0: Uh just very quickly, I think Hades is one of the best games ever made. Uh we could debate that all day. But uh that's I think the roguelike I like the most. And then there are another like rung, if you will, of roguelikes, but they're typically like either card based or similarly like dice-based that I really enjoy. So Slay the Spire I really like, uh, Dicey Dungeon I really like. Uh, but as far as like action roguelikes, I bounced off Dead Cells, even though we did a podcast about it. I bounced off that game pretty quick. Uh, and I typically don't gravitate towards them every time. Uh, I was genuinely surprised at how much I loved this game because this isn't typically like a, a, a game that is difficult, uh, that is a roguelike that requires Twitch action is not a Jacob McCourt game, if you will, but I, I adore this game. Uh, Flora?
2: That was 100% what I was thinking when you first gave us your backstory on the PS5 and getting this game. Like, it's almost astonishing that this is one of your first choices, because I know that you are not one to dive into unrelenting difficulty. You and I have that in common, although I would say recently, maybe I've disproven that theory a little bit. <laughs> um But like, I also sought this game out despite like a number of my friends warning me against it. Like, you're going to hate it, the difficulty is going to turn you off, blah, blah, blah. I, I think ultimately it was a judging a book by its cover. It just looked really cool. It was just really flashy. Mm-hmm. And um yeah. then I read all of the cool features about the dual sense and I hadn't played a game uh that felt like it had taken full advantage of it yet. Like I had beaten Spider-Man Miles Morales and it's got some cool features, but the the degree and I I hate to be a broken record about the controller, but it is just so cool. It's transformative to the experience. I don't think you would get the same value of returnal if you were playing with a simple DualShock 4 or just some mm-hmm. generic controller. And so um absolutely like the the difficulty alone should have turned me away from it not to mention the roguelike barrier and other such things like here i am so that says probably a lot about how good this game ultimately is
0: okay it's good but what is <laughs> returnal <laughs> what should do we, we do <laughs> should yeah yeah, we yeah start with how the game starts story wise or what the game is from a basic gameplay perspective i think we've hinted at one more than the other
1: Sure, you, you, you are a astronaut, kind of like a futuristic astronaut. You crash land on this, on this place called Atropos, and then you don't know what's going on. You have one pistol, and then you just start making your way through rooms, like these interconnected rooms, and then you are fighting, uh, mostly alien looking creatures, and, Uh, collecting items, collecting, uh, your currencies, your obelites, your ether, you're collecting new weapons, you're, um, you're getting artifacts like buffs. Um, there are what parasites that have are basically like a buff and a debuff combined that'll have like different mixtures. Mm -hmm. And you have to decide whether or not that parasite is worth it to you. Um, yeah. And you're making your way through. And then you find scout logs that kind of give you more of the story. And, um, and then there are bosses. And you make your way through the different worlds, and each world is pretty unique in like different biomes and and how they look and the different enemies that are there
0: when I think of other roguelikes and how you die in them. Like dying in roguelikes is a core feature of roguelikes. Mm -hmm. I really love when a game takes it and makes it part of their like core gameplay or core story. When I think of rogue legacy, you die and your next of kin kind of takes up your mantle and tries to conquer and do what you couldn't. In Hades, uh, you are going back to the underworld to get stronger and carry on your relationships with other uh, gods and demigods and whatever. With Returnal... What I distinctly remember is Celine seeing her own corpse the first time, like through the game. And that was like, okay, this is not a regular roguelike. We're setting up a story here. Celine is very disturbed that she just saw her corpse and doesn't really realize what is about to be unraveled here.
1: Yeah, there are so many ways that they use. Um, like you said, the core feature of Roguelikes, which is death and trying again and doing the same thing over and over again. And they use that in the story in so many ways. It just keeps going. Like, I feel like I will probably go back and replay it just from the start at some point because I really love this game. And there'll be things that I missed for sure because the attention to detail is kind of nuts. Like, because, um, like you said, you find previous uh, versions of yourself. There are... um it's kind of like you're reliving a trauma which is kind of like that's how part of how they're telling the story is that it's like this trauma that you that someone is reliving and they can't let it go and they're just kind of forced to do it over and over again and that comes into the play in the story and at some point she's talking about getting like i'm just getting dragged down and i keep doing this and it sounded like depression like it sounded like a core like story of depression and reliving the terrible things that you feel guilty about and i'm like it's just so good and there's scat logs where Celine, previous Celines, are talking and you kind of hear her losing her sanity before you've lost your sanity and you're like oh that's where we're going mm-hmm. like it's gonna get real and but you only know that because there have been other selenes who have died and have left these stories for you so like it, it's Like I said, the attention to detail, and it just gets more and more, Like, and it's in the DLC, and it's really impressive.
2: Yeah, one of the story conceits that kind of frames the, like, preceding gameplay um, is the spaceship crash, and the story presents it from the perspective of Celine inside of her spaceship, kind of surveying over top of a planet, and she's intercepting some sort of signal, white shadow, which is unclear and opaque for the first, you know, several hours of this game. Um, and you're kind of pursuing this, it's like, I don't know how you interpreted it, but kind of like a radio signal just going throughout the first several areas, and... Um I, I don't want to jump all the way ahead because we haven't talked about, like, bosses and stuff, but where the first real story beat where I just kind of had my jaw dropped to the floor is when you figure out, like, where the um, white shadow signal has led you. Like, you mentioned the trauma, Katie, of, like, being dragged back down over and over and over again, and it seems like, okay, if I just advance far enough, then I'm going to escape this loop, and I'm going to have, like, a nice happily ever after, but the game withholds that kind of cruelly about midway through, and completely took me off guard. Like, I, it seemed like this game was going to be a lot shorter than it ended up actually being
0: um not only that but and i don't know if this is probably the good the best place to say hey we're gonna spoil returnal because i think there's some cool story stuff that we could get into here uh beyond kind of high level what we've talked about uh i want to know did you guys did did you both finish it completely did you get the sun face fragments that give you additional story um Please, before I jump into the story more deeply, let me know what you've experienced.
1: I just found out that this thing existed like four days ago, because um, I wanted try I wanted to try, co- I wanted to try um, some co op out, mm-hmm. and I ended up playing with, um, Marson. Yeah, so I M9 I ended Prime. up playing some co-op with uh, Marson from the uh, Discord, from the Left Behind Discord. We hopped in together and played a little bit of co-op, and then afterwards, we'd been messaging back and forth a little bit, and he's like, oh, did you get the second ending? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what, what what second ending? He's like, you know, the, there's like a thing, and you replay it again, and you beat the last boss again, but you have to get like these six fragments, and I'm like, what the hell? What do you mean there's another ending? But at this point, I'm so far removed that I'm like, I don't think... I can't commit the time sink because I'd have to, like, get in the groove again. Like, you really have to be in the groove, right? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do it now. So, um, so no. To answer your question, long story short, no. I did not get the second ending, but I've heard a little bit about it. So, I looked into it a little bit. But And just to clarify, this ending
2: is achieved by getting those, like, cubes, right? Throughout the environment that you... know?
1: No. no. Oh. So, the cubes are... They give you new items, if you bring the cubes to like a certain, uh, uh, thing, like a monument thing, and you put them in, they give you new, more like items to collect, like just like action items. Okay, so it just broadens like the potential pool of what you'll find. Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is a whole other thing. God. (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) There's so many systems in this game, I literally can't keep track. I've seen the final cutscene. Like, I just went ahead and sought it out, just for clarity. So, personally, it will not bother me if we go into all of that. But I don't actually know what the path is to, like, unlock the entire thing, other than what it was kind of just sketched out. So, I've had one credits roll.
0: Okay. Yeah, I had one credits roll, but I watched this uh, cutscene because... I knew that I, I was good. I didn't need to play any more Returnal. I have very positive memories. I have 32 hours played. I don't need to play through it again and collect these six fragments that make this kind of sun. But in essence, and again, spoiler warning, my understanding is that in the cutscene, what you end up seeing is that your mother, um, who also may have been training to be an astronaut, had a, had an accident that put her in a wheelchair, uh, with like severe spinal cord, uh, injuries. And because of that, the mother was extremely um, abusive verbally to Celine through her growing up and becoming an astronaut herself.
1: So I didn't see this, but that whole element of the story gets explored a lot in the um, DLC in the Tower of Sisyphus, which I did roll credits on that part. But um, that is really good. I really, really liked that whole. Every story element, it's kind of like in the main game with the house, you explore the house, is a different setting that you are exploring um, and you'll get new story elements over time. And yeah, they dive into that hard. And then there's so many, oh my God, there's so many themes in there about like motherhood and like um, the guilt that is sometimes imposed on mothers and like cycles of abuse and like, oh my God, there's so much and the signs in spoilers it is a hospital um that is, you are going through there are signs oh, like these hallway posters that are like so on theme um stuff like a child is never a burden which is like basically imposing guilt on a mother who is feeling conflicted or is not you know overjoyed at all times about being a mother and there's like so many signs and there. like you explore this hallway and it's like there's so much stuff in detail it's oh uh, i love it so I I I push that DLC hard. It's also just it's fun to play. It's fast. It's like a faster pace. It's exciting to play. It's really addictive. It's good times. Have you
0: seen the the theories that have been kind of been crafted about this game online? I should be Which more theories? specific. There's oh. many theories. I was talking about the white shadows in Celine's vision being a degenerative disease that may have been passed Uh-oh. on by her mother.
1: I've not heard that. Okay, what? Which? But which I don't. Have you heard? I don't buy that because that because the the little kid in the back of the car is like, did you see the white shadow? So it, does the kid have it too? And also, if it's degenerative, that kid probably wouldn't have this disease yet. So I debunk this theory right here and right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, what about the ties to Greek mythology? Well, yeah, I mean everything is named after uh, Greek characters. You have like yes. of Helios, who um, seems to be the god name of the sun. Of, Celine's kid. Um, Celine a God child. A yeah. Uh, her actual, I believe her actual name is Thea. It seems to be, I think, because at some point it says that the person involved with the crash is named Thea. And then the Tower of Sisyphus, like all the, the bosses, aren't they all named after Greek? Yeah. Freak is
0: the spirit of horror. Ixion is, was punished by Zeus at some point. Um, Nemesis is like based in Greek myth. So, yes, it,
1: it, and they kind of dive deep too. It's not like your surface level mythology. It's like your, your, your deep lore characters, but Mm -hmm. which I'm not an expert on. So,
0: yeah, that is, that is my extent of, of Greek mythos. I've, I've gone through it all. There it is. Put it all out there for you. Um, even the stuff that's like teased throughout, every time you crash, you get flashes of like different, uh, images whether it's like tentacles coming towards like a, a white door or a, a a car that maybe has been put underwater um, and we haven't even talked about the house which before oh, we dive the into house. the gameplay I need I think we need to talk about the house
1: who wants to start about the house that gave me real pt vibes honestly yes oh my god yes yeah this is how I know I can't play pt because <laughs> yeah. I was like oh just in that house and it's not even it relative to pt it's not that scary but I was terrified so imagine you're in a biome just in like a overgrown uh like
0: space jungle and you come up on a house and the whole game is played in third person except for this section inside the house that you play from a first person perspective. You go into different rooms, you explore your spaces, your son's spaces, uh, and things happen uh, in the house that make you believe that maybe you're more delusional than you thought. Uh, this was one of my favorite parts of Returnal. And it, it I wasn't in the house enough. Did it give y'all vibes too?
2: Yeah, I don't know how many scenes there are in this house, but I definitely, I, I, I'm i kind of glad that we all had the same PT vibes reading of it <laughs> because it, it it eerily reminded me even like the structure of the internal of the building with the staircase mm-hmm. and like the, the looping L-shaped hallway and the fact that some doors, depending on when you were visiting them, would open and others would not. Um I... The narrative as it's delivered is so fragmentary that it's hard for me to, like, recount anything, like, in a linear fashion. But I do remember, like, things like looking at a telescope and seeing, like, a blinding, like, almost like a car light coming in through one of the windows. And there's, like, an astronaut silhouetted out in the distance. And then some more, like, explicitly supernatural things, like the tentacles you mentioned, kind of, like, I, I, forgive me if I'm misremembering this, but like popping out of a stuffed animal. Um, yep. I, yeah. okay. I think there was an octopus stuffed animal. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then there's like one of the more remarkable parts for me is at some point in this house, you, from the first person perspective, look down and you're holding a dual sense controller and you're playing returnal I don't or something that. like d- that. Dude. Oh my God. It's <laughs> one of the best parts.
1: Okay. Yes. I have like basically, I have like a handful of moments. In this house that I was like, oh, my God, this changes everything. Um, one, just like setting the vibe when you're going in and it's like some of the corners are dark. And then you hear like a child's footsteps running upstairs. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is not for me. This isn't my thing. But I got through it. Um, another moment is you see on the TV, the astronaut standing in the hallway of the house but you're in the room and then you turn around the corner and he's standing in the hallway like he is on the TV. Crazy. Um, so the moment that Flora is talking about is when you walk up to the house um, as Celine, you are about to open the door and then it the camera pans to the side of you instead of first person and then pulls back like you're looking through a monitor and then you are in the first person view of a different character which you realize is a child and the child is looking at the TV which has Celine in it at the door and is holding a PS5 controller and there is a PS5 next to like the TV console and then and then Celine rings the doorbell and then the doorbell rings in the house and it's was like oh it was so unsettling but yes but yes that was that was great little child hands with a PS5 controller as one of the first ps5 games and they're like yeah that's right we're a ps5 game now we're housemark we're here
0: what if nathan drake play crash bandicoot but scary
1: yes (laughs) basically that yes oh i i need to go
0: back and watch that after this because i i don't remember that and i'm sure it's stellar uh Mm -hmm. can we say before we talk about the game in depth on mechanics and whatnot this game is beautiful and it sounds fantastic yes
2: I think it was nominated... I think this is the
0: best-looking game I've ever played, potentially. Sorry, Flora.
2: No, um, I think that the sound design is, is one of the more remarkable things here, and I think it was nominated and or won for a number of these things. Like, the sound design in this game does a remarkable job because there's so much visual chaos in every scene, specifically coming from combat. We haven't really mentioned this in terms of bullet hell, but most of the enemies at some point will send out a, either a quick or wide barrage of little, like, colored bullets, and those colors correspond to whether you can dodge through them or not. Some of those eventually take the form of rings and stuff like that so there's just so much to keep track of not to mention like where the next enemies are and like sometimes it's unclear in the screen like looking up down like it's a very three-dimensional environment the sound design does a remarkable job of always letting you know exactly where to turn next and that's something that even just playing like out loud on a speaker or with headphones i have just kind of remarkably been able to respond just like i almost could close my eyes wouldn't want to do it but could probably (laughs) make it through a room or two
1: yeah, you know exactly where the enemies are for sure. I, ch- I and then sometimes I would play without headphones and I'd be like, "Oh, this it's still great. Like the sound design is still great, but I'd be like, "Oh, but I can localize everything so well with headphones on, that why would I not play with headphones?" Um, the other element of the sound design is from the dual sense. It is um if you are not playing with headphones, there are certain sounds, mostly like equipment related, um if you're throwing your grappling hook or different things um, that will come through the uh, speaker in the controller, which they've done this before, like the DualSho- uh, DualShock 4. DualShock is that the name of things? There have been so many controllers that dual shock
2: DualShock 4 was PS4. DualSense is the PS5.
1: Yes. Thank you. So back, the DualShock 4 had this. It had a speaker in the controller. It was fine. Sometimes it'd be there and I would always shut it off. I'd be like, I don't want any sounds coming out of my controller ever. This doesn't sound good. It doesn't add anything to my experience. It is, it sounds so good and it's so seamless and I don't know what it is about it. Like if I would love to pick the brain of like a person who designs this and like what makes this different than the DualShock 4 and why is this sound good And why do I enjoy playing it this way? Which is the one reason why sometimes I would play it without headphones because I was like, but it's kind of cool. It's coming out of the thing. And like, it just integrates well with what's coming out of the TV versus what's coming out of your controller. Um, So yeah, that's a whole other element of the sound design that's like, that's just so well executed.
0: Really tactically, I, I just finished playing Horizon Forbidden West and I found that that what that game did with the controller speaker is it just replicated some of the sounds that were happening mm-hmm. in game, just in your controller. And I found it like incredibly annoying. And there was a, de- a slight delay, which like every time I heard it, my brain just hated it. So I ended up just turning off the sound of the the controller. But it was definitely like the first time since like the novelty of the Wii having a, a speaker in the controller that I found it really was additive to the experience. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and there's even games where you can make a direct comparison of, like, I'm thinking of Death Stranding, for example, where you have BB, the little baby, like, crying out of the controller. I actually don't think it sounds much better on the DualSense compared to the DualShock 4. Um... But, like, that is, once again, I think just a compliment to the sound design of the game rather than, like, a, a detriment for how Death Stranding does it. Um I was just playing Lost Judgment recently, and, like, the cell phone comes out of the speaker, and it sounds awful. And it's, like, my gut yeah. instinct is also to turn that off. But there are some really satisfying sounds coming out of this controller, not only when you have, like, you have, like, an alternate fire um after you have, like, you have to press and long to release the alternate fire. And um when it recharges, it has, like, this really satisfying crunch, and you feel it and hear it at the same time. And there's um there's just some other more like enemy sounds even come out of here. Just something about it captures the very responsive, snappy nature of the gameplay. Um, v- very big fan of how they did this.
0: Yeah, there are very few games that I can think of play the speaker as well. Uh, Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Did either of you play it for the Wii? No. You would, you would take the (laughs) Wii Remote and put it up to do like a phone call. You would get the, the, like, phone call in your ear, which was, which was nifty and, and novel. But yeah, this game definitely sound perspective, Tempest Audio TM, like, makes the spatial audio just sound fantastic. And then this thing plays 4K 60, which I think there are very few games that, uh, play, that move as well as Returnal. I think maybe you could say something like a Ratchet and Clank, uh, the, the new one for PlayStation 5, uh, Shattered Dim- Dimension Apart, Shattered Dimension. Rift Apart, something. Rift Apart. Rift Apart, thank you. It's a, <laughs> it's usually a, a lewd pun if that's a, mm-hmm. those are Ratchet games, lewd puns. But, uh, yeah, it just looked and it moved so well. You could, you could dodge every individual bullet because of how much fidelity there was, especially watching on like a, I have a brand new Sony television, so I feel like, I really benefited from that, having this TV, PS5, Sony headphones, the whole dealio.
1: Yeah. You, Celine moves very fast. And there are, barring like cutscenes and things, and I'm sure hidden loading things, there's like no loading. And you are, she runs quickly, which is good. And Role, like you want to, you're going to die. You're like, this is, there's a lot of rooms to explore. I want to be able to move quickly. And. Like you said, it's just so responsive and snappy is like the best word I can think of. You're right. Is, um yeah, the movement just feels good, which is great if you're going to spend all this time doing this thing and dying over and over again. It's got to feel good. And it does. <laughs>
2: One of the things I would recommend for first time players of this game, um, which I did not discover until about 20 something hours in was, um, you can set, um, Celine to auto run in the game, which I find, I like, instead of what? having to like pr- hold down a button what? to sprint. Yeah. Um, so you can literally just point the analog stick and she will go full sprint everywhere. Um, which if you have to, because of the precarity of the platforming in this game, yeah. like you can't just take that for granted. It is a little bit of a risk reward trade off. But for me, I don't like having to hold down the button while running. And so if, if If I can just, I don't know, be a little more precise with how I'm controlling the character, I would prefer to have that on. And so someone pointed that out to me like halfway through this game and I left the auto sprint on for the remainder. It made such a difference for me. Um, there's also like more, um, let's say impermanent upgrades that you can do in this game where you can reduce the cooldown of Celine's dash, which is pretty good. And, and one of the reviews you mentioned points out like the forgivingness of the iframes and stuff as well. So you can really set a build up quickly where if you take damage, you suddenly are sprinting even faster and you can dash more rapidly. And just you can really, if you want to prioritize movement, you kind of can in an already fast paced game, which I enjoyed.
0: Next follow-up question then, if we're, we're starting to talk about builds and uh, how you prefer to play it, mm-hmm. uh, we all beat this game at least once through. I would love to know, uh, weapons, items, um, parasites, malignancy, uh, sorry, parasites, what did you typically play with? And maybe as we talk about that, maybe we should just talk about the different mechanics in the game. Sure. I can go first and talk about weapons if that's helpful. Uh, so there are a choice of about 10 different weapons in the game. Uh, some of them are fairly basic. You start with a pistol. Uh, you can go to something more complicated. Uh, you can get like assault weapons like the, the hollow seeker or the, um, the tachyomatic carbine. Uh, you can get shotguns. You can get essentially a rocket launcher. And then there are things that are a little bit strange and unique for this game. Uh, stuff like I'm just gonna call it the goo gun. Uh, even though it's, it's, uh, the rot gland lobber, it's the goo gun. And then stuff that fires pins—that's called the the dreadbound. Uh, ten weapons, a bunch of alt fires that you can add on. What were your favorite weapons?
1: Uh, I would call it more of a grenade launcher than a goo gun, okay. personally. But that's just me. I would tell you which guns I don't use because okay. almost all the weapons I really liked. Um, okay. There are a couple that I'm like I find them almost unusable. Hmm. Um, a middling one is the dread dreadbound dreadbound. Yeah, yep. where it's like, if you are hitting the enemy, you get that ammo back immediately, and if you are hitting them, it's perfect. Like you, you just rip through people. But if you miss them, you have to wait for them to return to you, and if they're waiting for them to get to the end of the room and back, it takes a long time. Um, so that what depends if your gun on was a boomerang, right? Yeah. So if you have the right bonuses on that gun, it's great. But if you don't, it's nah, nah, nah. um the shotgun. No, thank you. Terrible shotgun. <laughs> That's the worst. I can't use it. And then uh, the coil spine shredder, it's almost like a rail gun. Like it's mm-hmm. like a big blast, but it takes one shot and then you have to reload. No, I want as many bullets as humanly possible. I like the hollow, what is it? The hollow, hollow, seeker. hollow seeker. I like the carbine. Yep. What else? The rock land is great. The Electropylon driver. Really good. I didn't yep. talk about that one. It's really good because if you hit the enemy, it kind of um creates these little like static not static, but like electric Almost charges. Like yeah. And then it will continue to damage the enemy even after you've shot them, which is nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Um You're sticking a shot collar that you put on your dog on the enemies in returnal. Just They're like that. It. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, the launcher is like even a pistol. If I have the right bonuses on that pistol, I can use a pistol. But yeah, no, that mm-hmm. shotgun. No, thank you. I never. Can I tell you the
0: one instance where I would use it? Sure. Uh, there was a, uh, I don't know what they're called right now. Um, the, not the alt fires. Maybe they're, uh, traits. Uh, mm-hmm. if you had a trait, there are a bunch of traits you can add on to each of your guns or the, as you pick them up, they have certain traits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the shotgun had like the, um, almost like the sniper round where it would shoot and spread like the shotgun, but there'd also be like a single round that right in the center of your reticle would shoot almost like a sniper bullet. That's the only time I'd use the shotgun. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to, th- I'm going to get the name of that trait while Flora tells us about her favorite weapons.
1: I
2: also want to reiterate how little I used the shotgun. It was borderline unusable. It just like you had to get so close with all the enemies that I might as well just melee them. Um, it just, I, and I was a big melee player. Um, I know that obviously not all enemies allow for that, but that is something that I got really into the swing of is just kind of dash in, strike, back up, shoot, shoot, shoot. My, Favorite weapon by the end was the lobber. Um, I mm-hmm. think the reason for that is I, I picked it up and kept it Um, because like Katie, I also really want just as much ammo as you can give me. Um, early on in the game, I was typically going for the hollow seeker as well. And that got me through like the second boss of the game, which I was really struggling with at first. But um th- I stuck with the lobber as soon as I realized that it has this sort of like poison effect where mm-hmm. if you all you have to do is just one shot any enemy basically, and it will just gradually chip away at their health. And so depending on the chunk of the health bar or the proficiency of your character or weapon at the moment, you can sometimes one-shot most enemies, and if not, just dodge out of their way of their fire, shoot them again, and then they will go down. It was consistent as long as you were accurate, and I got to the point where that was not an issue whatsoever. Like, I wasn't spray-and-praying throughout the game. So... um Although (laughs) once or twice, maybe, but, um, (laughs) other weapons, um, really like the carbine. Um, that was a good, reliable choice when I had it. Um, I can also get away with the pistol, but everything else kind of feels unremarkable except for that one weapon y'all described as the, um, shock collar fence thing. I, I like that (laughs) as well if I have to use it. So, uh,
0: let me tell you the only reason I bought the, uh, I beat the game was because the, uh, the tachyomatic carbine became my friend. And there are a few, uh, different traits that I relied on every single time to get, like, any, uh, semblance of progress in the game. We're talking leech rounds. When I discovered leech rounds, that's when I discovered I could advance in this game. <laughs> leech rounds, essentially, every shot that you shoot has a chance to heal you. Mm-hmm. So combine that with either accelerated, um, mm-hmm. or rising pitch, which rising pitch, as you hold it down, the rate of fire increases. Mm-hmm. So imagine it's like one bullet a second when you start, but then by like second four, it's like 10 shots a second. So really those like leech rounds is the thing that helped me beat Returnal. Hmm. So thank you, leech rounds.
1: <laughs> also, as you're playing, you will unlock new traits. And then if you got, if you get a weapon that has a trait that's not unlocked yet, basically the more enemies you kill, you eventually unlock the trait. So as you're playing, the weapons that you pick up get more powerful, just like, and it carries over in between each run. Um, so they did a really good job of having like temporary uh, boosts and then things that you unlock that carry over into further runs, um, which just makes you feel like you're always making progress, right? You're like, I did something. This weapon that I'm going to pick up later is better. So I, I accomplished something even though I died.
2: And that reminds me of something kind of more philosophically about this game that I hadn't considered when going straight in. Like, when you make progress in a game like Returnal, you I don't know about either of you, but I was then inclined to try and beeline towards that side of progress and just go straight for the final boss or go straight for the gate that I had unlocked or whatnot. But... As I pushed forward, I kind of got stuck again somewhere in between boss two and three. I just could not make it to the end. And so my approach completely shifted to where I was going through every single room, every single side area, um, like interacting with all chests and, and locked doors and all these things. And I found that like in the way that the, there are these sort of like subtle long term progressions with your weapons and stuff, um, I ended up arriving to that. Like current hurdle, that boss fighter, wherever I had yet to explore past, with a much larger bar of health and other such upgrades that just made my time easier. And so it seems maybe a little counterintuitive going into a game like this, where you get that little chip away of progress and you want to seek more of it. But ultimately, I found that not only did I need to get better, but like the game was going to reward me if I was more patient with it, which was really nice.
1: I'm going to dive into my personal... Uh, psychological hangups here, where (laughs) I never be aligned towards anything. I have to, in these games, I have to clear every room and I have to get every single thing I can. Because what I think is that if I get to this boss and I skipped a couple rooms and then I bring him down to like 5% health and then I die, I'm going to think it's your fault you would have beaten him this was the time that you were going to accomplish this thing but it's your fault you weren't patient enough so i have to clear every room like a crazy person like i i it, i'm compelled and and in that room will be looking at me and it's like oh you could fight the boss out i'm like no it will be my fault <laughs> if i lose whereas i i won't be as prepared as i could be so i know i i never be lined ever i never skipped anything which is probably why i spent so much time with this game but i liked it so i'm not complaining
0: i think that there was a, a maybe a cycle for me where i thought i didn't once i i understood the game's basic premise after like 3 to 5 hours of playing i'm like oh I, and i beat Frike pretty easily We're, we're gonna talk about the bosses in a moment. Um, but once I got to the second biome, I realized very quickly that, oh, I at least every time need to go through that first biome, the overgrown ruins, as a bad video game player to have the amount of health and have the amount of, you know, um, different
1: uh be able to buy uh, all the boosts you can get all the yeah different um there's a lot of different boosts you can get you can get different things you can pick up
0: yeah etc etc
1: you can collect a silphium to like some of them will either heal you or some of them, if you collect three of them, will boost your health bar. Your health bar will be bigger. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of different things that you can pick up that will help. And more uh, things to up your proficiency. So you get better weapons, different artifacts that provide you with all sorts of different abilities or or, or things that will make you... Even extra um, lives. Respawn. Yes. Like yeah. you know, there's the astronaut and there is another artifact uh, that will literally just like, you'll bring you back to life, which I think got me through a couple bosses. So, yeah, there's a lot there to pick up, and I had to pick up all of it every time. Uh, I have a question here from M9Prime. We
0: mentioned them earlier in the show. Uh, Thank you for the questions. Uh, Their question was, which boss fight was your favorite, and which boss fight did you absolutely hate? Uh, Structurally, before we jump into that, there are essentially six worlds and five bosses in this game. Uh, So maybe I'll start with Flora and ask... um, What was your favorite boss... Give me both. Give me both. Favorite and least favorite.
2: Yeah, my answer kind of has to be messy and all over the place it, because that was my experience playing it. Like, um, <laughs> I, I think Ixion, the second boss was the one that gave me the most trouble throughout my playthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, just learning the patterns, st- avoiding damage, like truly internalizing what colors meant and how they were coming at you in a way that I could sort of get away with. Um, up until that point, that was the real true, like, dare I say it, Dark souls-ish moment where I just had to, mm-hmm. you know, get good. And, um, but then, like, once I got you through did. that fight, I was stuck at the next, like, environmental biome. And so that became a sort of boss in my head. Um, I got to Nemesis, which is often cited as the most difficult boss. First tried it. Like, it was just, a... I don't know how I intuitively worked through it. It was visually stunning. Like you're, um, you're grappling between these falling platforms and shooting vaguely at this enemy in the distance. And, um, I had a lot of fun just the set pieces of that, but it, I beat it in one try. So it's hard to call that my favorite in any meaningful way. Um, and then I think just atmospherically Hyperion, the organ playing one really, that one just captured the spirit of this game to me in a way that really, really worked. Um, not so much a fan of the first and last boss, but not negative impressions either.
0: I think you put in the Discord, I beat Nemesis on my first try, mm-hmm. and I think I just about tossed my phone <laughs> in the trash. I was going to say, did you throw something? What did you throw? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, I threw my phone because Nemesis was easily the boss. that I probably took on Nemesis, no joke, 15 times. And that was the only real boss that I struggled with. Jacob ranked...
1: texted me and multiple times and was like, N- I can't beat Nemesis. <laughs> How am I going to beat this game? He's like, oh. I tr- keep trying to beat him. And also, he seemed to think at the time that that was the last boss. no. Oh!
2: We and I and that. I
1: have it on the internal, I'm like, oh, he doesn't know that that's halfway through the game. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> you didn't tell me. No, either. I didn't. I did not tell you. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun. He's gonna have like this moment of triumphant victory. And then after he's gonna be like, what? what do you mean? So I was just waiting for it. Like days, days have passed. And he keeps saying like, I keep dying. I keep dying. I keep dying. And then like all caps, I beat Nemesis. And he's so happy. And then like, I'm like, that's great. Congratulations. And you could do it. And then a f- couple of minutes later, he's like, wait, what? And he's <laughs> like, you've got to be joking. I'm like, yeah, you're halfway done, buddy guess what (laughs) you're gonna have to get good i was i was Uh, it was very enjoyable to me i'm sorry
0: no it's fine i didn't like any of the bosses in this game because they were (laughs) constantly oppressive to me uh but i felt like nemesis and in the uh snow world uh Mm. which that is the fractured wastes there's actually not a boss in that In that world. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a series of. I think it's four rooms. That you have to go in. And get a key. Mm -hmm. That helps you get to the final biome. Uh, That was my second least favorite boss. Was just those rooms. Mm -hmm. Because those are the two places I got Mm -hmm. stuck. Uh, I beat uh, the final boss. Um, Name is Ox. um, Ophion. Ophion?
1: Yeah.
0: I I beat Ophion on my first try. Ooh. Ooh, look at you. So, uh, yeah, I guess I hated them all. Nemesis was my nemesis.
1: Um, Katie? Um, I probably, you know, I think I probably disliked that same frozen section with the four keys the same. Um, it just mm-hmm. felt like I it was slower a little bit somehow than the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wasn't a huge... I didn't dislike the last boss it just felt a little bit more static like it was just kind of like this thing that's away from me and i'm shooting at the same thing the whole time and it's just like a bullet hell thing and it's it wasn't as dynamic as some of them um as opposed i think my favorite one is nemesis actually because literally it's it was more chaotic than a lot of that like that
0: battle because i think all of us felt like things about nemesis yeah
1: so the start it it kind of starts like a multiple of them where it's this enemy off in the distance and you're shooting at it and he's just throwing different uh, types of bullets different sprays of bullets at you and then um at some point either in the second or the third phase of it um the ground the thing that you're on the platform is starts just like gets destroyed and you're just falling and then you're looking around because you're like oh where am I going to go and you see these different platforms um, kind of below you and they have little grapple points on them so you kind of have to pick one grapple onto that platform but that platform is going to also get destroyed so you kind of have to hop from platform to platform while dodging bullets while shooting at the boss and it was just a lot of fun because you felt like you were just like on this tight rope like you were just like barely hanging on and you're going oh my god and you're jumping and you're like just getting that grapple point and then you're getting onto that platform and then you're dodging a bullet right away because he's already launched something at you. And it was just like it was it was the most dynamic of all of them and it was the most exciting. And I was like, by the end of it, I was like, oh, I just barely held on and I got it. And yeah, it was exciting, as opposed to like a couple of them were more, like I said, a little bit more basic. Like it's just a guy in the distance shooting at you, and I'm dodging the bullets and shooting at him and and or nobody's like really ruling really around. Up.
0: Like Frike was just like a a boss that was maybe like three times your size. Like yeah. if Celine is like five feet tall, Frank is maybe 50, not even 10 to 15 feet tall. And Hyperion, which is the fourth boss in the game who has an organ and then a bunch of plants from my memory around them. Uh, I felt like maybe those two bosses were more plain. Yes. Uh, and didn't maybe have the, the scale that Nemesis and Ophion had. Yeah.
1: Um, but even the,
0: the second boss...
1: Ixium was I flying. liked Ixium a lot, too. Yeah. that oh, You're right, um, Flora. That did feel the most um, kind of uh, Dark Soulsy, where you're like, oh, where he is, like, shooting at you, and you had to have really quick reactions. You had to know exactly where he was at all times, because um, it would just come at you very quickly. Um, so those ones were the ones that I felt I enjoyed the most, because I was, like, on the edge of my seat and, like, barely making it throughout... Um, and Hyperion was fine, but I did like the ambiance around Hyperion um, with the organ playing and, and mm-hmm. the music and just like the feeling of it, even though it, it wasn't like the most exciting fight ever. Yeah. And just to speak to the final boss, I
2: even enjoyed that, even if it's not really going to be a remarkable thing that I look back upon. Like, the, it's kind of a puzzly boss in a way that to mm-hmm. me felt like a gimmick. Like, okay, at the very end, I'm not having to actually like practice the skills that this game has you know taught me throughout the last 40 hours whatever um but instead it's just like you have been learning how to shoot these like invisible platforms into existence and all of a sudden doing so now in this fight will make these little like vulnerable eyes appear and then you just have to focus on dodging from like waves of bullet hell it was it was fun i enjoyed it but like the boss was entirely stationary and so i think that's what took away from something in comparison to like an ixion or a nemesis
1: yeah, I didn't dislike any of them, but mm-hmm. I definitely had some favorites for sure. Yeah. I think final
0: bosses are incredibly difficult. I feel like this is the the Jacob TM saying of like final bosses are
1: usually garbage. I think uh, Nemesis so you... could have been the final boss. Yeah. I agree with you. And that would have been the mo- most exciting end and you've been like, Oh my god, I did it like at the very end as opposed to the one that they chose.
2: So we should talk about that story beat, right? Because we've now alluded to it. And I think that like, if you've made it this far, spoilers have been tossed out the window. Like, I think that that is a (laughs) brilliant device, narratively speaking, it might have been the wrong decision in terms of gameplay design, like like structuring the bosses in a sequence. The reason that it felt so impactful is because like the environment is literally shattering. It feels like you've gotten all the abilities that the game is going to give you. And then the narrative, like the cutscene that happens after that boss is finished is like, Celine has escaped the cycle, she makes it back into her spaceship, everything is patched up and she lives her life out on this oh, you finally see the house, like on this farm this mysterious house that's been all creepy PT the whole time it's now this happily ever after, and then you even see from like a sort of pseudo first person perspective, her lowered into her grave, okay, and the cycle has been broken, peace has been restored and then gasp back on the planet, and that is such a brilliant conceit, or at least I personally it really worked for me Um, I, I don't know that the game's narrative narrative um, really delivered again, or at least with that much force until the actual like credit sparking sequence at the very end. Um, unless either of you had something that popped up as incredibly remarkable, it was mostly then relegated story-wise into those sort of like logs that you pick up and just listen to. A um, mm-hmm. couple, you know, small counterexamples throughout, but largely unremarkable for me after that point.
0: I think to me, the remarkable part of the, the game's narrative is actually not where it finishes and st- or starts and finishes but like the journey that it it takes you on uh, and some of the the moments inside the game whether it's in the house that moment that you just mentioned some of the flashes that happen that you know share what your life on earth was like that to me is is the brilliance of returnal not the you know plot summary on wikipedia that you could summarize in 60 seconds
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like what's going to happen next. It's more just like little reveals and little character things, and the logs of just the way that Celine is talking. And the next one you pick up, and you're like, "What's this one going to be like? Like, what's she going to sound like? What things are she is she going to be talking about? Like, what, um, yeah, what aspects are we going to be exploring? It's not like, uh, it's not like you're watching The OC shout out to Jacob and you're like oh my god what trouble are there Marissa and and Ryan gonna get into this week like no it's just like it's more just like little tidbits that are sprinkled throughout that are a lot of fun um one thing that I think happens after that a thing in the house when you walk over to a record player and you drop the needle on the record player and it plays don't fear the reaper And I was like, oh, and it it took me so by surprise because nothing has really been based in real life, like nothing has been like identifiably like, you know, a part of pop culture up till now into this game. And I'm like, whoa, don't fear the reaper is playing. What is happening? (laughs) And then I just found this out today. Which I think would be would you would notice probably on a replay. But that organ playing boss, the Mm -hmm. song is Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh. It's a mix. Yes. What? So he's playing. It's like a remix, but like it's clearly the notes. If you listen, you're like, oh my God, it's Don't Fear the Reaper. And that's why she says that song, that song keeps playing. That song has to stop. And it she it drives her crazy because when she's driving the car, Don't Fear the Reaper is playing when they crash. What? That's no. the thing. It's there are so many details to this game that you don't even realize until you replay them. But yes, if you go back and you find Something uh, you can watch like cutscenes of this of when you approach the organ playing boss and it's there and it's not obvious at all but you're like oh no it is you like slipped it in there.
0: Uh, we haven't talked about this but I really adored like Jane Perry as Celine in the game. Yes, mm-hmm. I think from a voice acting perspective, the performance reminded me a lot of Hellblade um hmm. melissa hirgens i think was the the voice actress for that one uh and for those of you following along at home uh jane perry plays diana burnwood in the new hitman trilogy so shout out to some of the other uh, kobe to some of the other podcasts that we've done <laughs> um but her performance was like so that's that's a throwback if you've listened to our hitman episodes there's going to be a few of their, they're going to be like why is he talking about kobe bryant but just listen to those episodes they're good you'll understand uh Jane Perry played like a re- like a bunch of different characters. I'm sure she acted a lot of it by herself in the studio and it was a really psychological uh like a like a uh psychologically moving pers- like performance
1: I guess mm-hmm.
0: and it reminded me of a lot of that game and and how it how it um how the voice actors delivered there.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean they both explore um slightly similar themes of like Uh, Delusions and, like, um, not that Selena deals with psychosis, but, like, questioning reality and what's real and what's not and, like, and mental health issues. And, yeah, I can see that link. And they have to play varying um, points in time of of kind of, like, the spectrum of of sanity, really. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I could see that link. And you're right. She does a fantastic job at every aspect along that spectrum. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: BAFTA winner, uh, Jane Perry. Canadian, if you will. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Bringing it back. I'm going to bring in another question here from M9 Prime. Again, thank you for sending all these questions. You could send them in our Discord, uh, leftbehindgame.club slash Discord. Um, the question is, uh, while playing, what did you think was going on? The game gives hints about what could have possibly happened. Were you able to guess what the story was about?
1: So. There is a point in the game where I was kind of like, Oh, I had kind of suspected that there was a possibility that like that none of basically none of this is real in a nutshell and that it's like all representative of something else that's going on. Um, just based on how she was talking and the logs that she was finding and like just certain things. Um, but then that kind of gets revealed to you in the house at the one point when you pick up a, a letter that is from the, I think Astra. Which is that like their NASA, more or less in the game, that basically says, Hey, you're rejected. Like, you're not an astronaut. And she's like, Wait, who is this who was this for? What what is this? What does this mean? And I'm like, Hey, I knew it. I thought so. Um, so that part I definitely suspected and was it was confirmed for me. Um the whole thing of like this car crash and that um which we get to the end of the game, is that she was involved in this car crash and her child dies, like she, it drowns in the river and she makes it out. That I had no concept whatsoever. Um, But then looking back, uh, there are so many little, tiny little hints that are not obvious at all that are sprinkled throughout where it's, about a crash and about leaving Helios behind and like Helios didn't make it and like I made it but Helios didn't and I'm like oh my god there's so many little things but it's not like beating you over the head it's a thing where if you were to look back you would see all these tiny little things that are hinted at throughout that is is a lot of fun it's like a little treasure hunt um, so part of it I kind of had a feeling what was going on and then part of it I had no idea yeah, I went into
2: this game thinking that, I guess naively, that it was just kind of normal sci-fi shooter, distant alien planet in the middle of the jungle, and like, oh, there's ruins, there must be some old civilization that we have to piece back together. But then I entered the house, and that was where I started thinking more narratively about this experience, and like, who these people, or this, rather this one person, but these implied other people are. And, um, and wondering about the technology present here and why it seemingly was derelict and abandoned, but still functional. And then, um, I, I was kind of just like, Letting it marinate in the back of my mind, not thinking about it too seriously. And I actually would defer everything that I would say about this game story wise to Jacob Geller and his video, um, on Returnal. It's, I don't, I don't know if either of you have seen it, but, um, it, he makes this really compelling analysis of the story of Returnal reflecting structurally the short story, I have no mouth and I must scream. And, um, it's an incredibly disturbing tale and really kind of cynically delivered. Um, but if you haven't seen that video, I would simply direct you there it's about half an hour and it has some of the sharpest analysis of this game that i've encountered period so that i would say once i saw this video i fully embraced before i got to the nemesis part of the story what was going to happen in the story and so i kind of was anticipating the car crash and anticipating these other more um gradual reveals
0: uh i'm gonna link this uh this a YouTube video from Jacob Geller in the show notes. So if you want to watch that after you've listened to this, please do that again. It's called Returnal is a Hell of Its Own Creation, uh, by Jacob Geller, which came out in February of this year. Um, I think I watched the first few minutes of this and said, oh, I'll come back to it. And I didn't. So now I have to go back and watch this. Uh, Jacob's videos are great. Uh, as of the recording of this, his new video is called Why Does Metal Gear Solid Rising Keep Getting More Popular? So that's a channel for, for, for me, I guess. Um, I want to touch on the, uh, the car keys bit, which I think we haven't really talked about. So at the end of the game, you can essentially get a pair of, uh, a set of car keys from the house. Uh, I don't know what the sequence of events is to get those car keys, but the, uh, you get really like two endings depending on whether you get the car keys or not. And from my knowledge, it just gives you a little more like abstract perspective of what happened to Celine's child. It's, if you don't get the car keys, um, an alien creature, um, uh, an alien creature, like, is at the bottom of a watery abyss. And I think if you do recover the car keys, um, you cry out the name Helios at the end. I'm doing a really poor job in butchering this.
2: Is this where the car literally drives off into the water? And then in that cutscene, we see this kind of red-eyed monster underwater, like that yeah. moment. So yeah. that will change. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I must not have gotten the keys.
0: Yeah. So I, I, again, I think it's like we're talking like a twist of line, yeah, like a different variation, but you end up getting like, um, Celine crying out the name Helios. If you do recover mm-hmm. the car keys, which gives you more that you can like pull at and, and read in the wiki pages and find out more about.
1: I will also say, um, again, in the DLC, signs in this hallway, these posters in this hospital, one of them is a sign that says, do not leave children unattended. What's So good. And then there is another one that says, uh, why keep returning to something that is hurting you? Mm. Uh, it's just well done. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I should explore this hallway, apparently, because every sign is like well thought out and wonderful. Just like a lot of this game.
0: So, as of the recording of this, a few weeks ago, there was some DLC that was put out that added the Tower of Sisyphus, which is like a essentially like tower. Um, what do you it's call it? Like those? an endless in- run. Like an Thank endless you.
1: run where you are trying to get a high score. And also, there is, um, like I said, story elements that you can. No, co op is actually in the regular game, it is not in the tower. Hmm.
0: But that was also Check. added at the same time. Yes. The Tower of Sisyphus, yes, was at uh, the, same, co-op time and as the co-op. same time. Um, what is co-op like? Katie, you played some co-op. Does it work? Is it good? Uh, okay,
1: so it works. Okay. I had Ooh. a we had a way harder time. Like I was mm. like this isn't going. Also, I hadn't played in a while. I was pretty rusty. M9 Prime, you, you we carried you carried the show a little bit, but um <sighs> I was it wasn't good. Um, but it was more difficult I found because I don't know. We're like, do you want this item or do I want this item? And they're like, well, you should take it. Uh, you should take it. And then it, it kind of like interrupted the flow a little bit. Or like, oh, who should take that health? Uh, you go. You could take it. Or like, oh, do you like a pistol or do you like a, a carbine? No, oh, I like a carbine better. It was just like, I don't know. It wasn't quite the same. Whereas I think maybe co-op in the arcade in the um, Tower of Sisyphus would be better because it's faster paced already mm-hmm. and there's less items to pick up. I don't know. But it was... I found it harder, um, oddly enough. Like we didn't get very far, um, so yeah, I don't know how I felt about it. I'm also just naturally a single player person, but um, so yeah, it was it was an odd feeling. I've, if you had the same person you played repeatedly with and you kind of like got into a groove with them, it'd probably be a bit easier. But it's like a one off, like you know, hour and a half type thing. It was it was tricky, but um, but I could see it being a lot of fun, you know, in the right context.
2: Yeah, is it like a Cuphead co-op situation where like the boss has like extra health, or is it like I don't the same think amount? So okay, we don't that... know,
1: we couldn't figure it out. We're like, are they? <laughs> and we were getting killed, and I'm like, are they stronger? Like it feels like they're stronger, and we didn't know. And I, uh, I, and I've never played Cuphead, unfortunately, so oh. I can't. Yeah, it's it's on the list. It's in the backlog, but I've never gone to it, so I can't. Uh, I can't answer that.
2: Yeah. I, I tried once half-heartedly to pair up in co-op. There's, like, these little orbs later in the world. There's, like, some towards the very beginning, but, like, I found one in the underwater biome towards the very end, like, approaching the final boss, and I was, like, you know, I'm kind of under a time crunch to finish this game in time for a podcast. Maybe this Sorry. will help. No, no, no. It was, it was not, like, it literally took me nine months to beat this game. I was gradually, <laughs> gradually going through this. And um, I got to the end, and uh, I considered doing co-op, and I sat there for, like, four or five minutes just waiting to have someone pop in my world or vice versa i got nothing so i just went ahead and continued on and that was that for my co-op um did not work but i'm sure that maybe i was playing at an early time or something
1: yeah it'd probably be easier to get a uh, co-op partner at the beginning rather than before the final boss there's probably less people who are are looking for other games to hop into at that point that's a wonderful Um, point Yeah. yeah i don't know
2: I did dabble with the Tower of Sisyphus, though, a little bit today, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I got, like, about two million on the score, which I'm sure is nothing in the grand scheme of things, but, like, I made it through two bosses, and um, the two bosses I encountered were virtually identical, so they just had a second phase. So I'm not sure how far that goes, um, but it's something that I, I could see myself pursuing, uh, especially if there's more story to be found there.
1: Yeah, there are story beats and even a like a credits roll when it's like, oh, you've seen all the story beats. You did the thing and then you can still keep playing the tower. Um, So I cracked, I think, over five mil and I felt really, really proud of myself. And I was like, that was good. I did good. We were rolling really good. And because you get a multiplier, if you if you are clearing these rooms quickly and moving to the next room very quickly, basically you keep a multiplier and it will build on itself. So you can get that points multiplier up to like, you know, infinite number, really. So you'd get up to like 30 some and then you're making a lot of points. Um So yeah, I felt really good about myself. And then I was like, let's check those standings. And I was like, you know, like 8,700th <laughs> in ranking. And I was like, I mean, that's that's, I feel that's like that's high. not too bad. The highest is insane. It's like, 20 billion like it's crazy i'm like how did you clear that many rooms but anyway um that person is well above the second ranked player um i suspect some you know cheatery afoot but if not well done sir i or thought man. you were just
0: gonna say man's is good at returnal but no you're you're accusing them of cheating cool great yes
1: <laughs> i mean I, that's the only conclusion i can come to <laughs> just saying uh,
0: can I close the show with another question from M9prime for y'all? Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's just also use this as a way to wrap up our thoughts about Returnal. There's the challenge for you. Would you ever sign up to explore distant worlds all alone? Tell me about that and tell me about your thoughts of Returnal.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Flora. <laughs> How's <laughs> that for a uh, curveball? Um... Short answer, no. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Um, I, I would not want to be like Andy Weir's The Martian or anything like that. Uh, much less something further alienated. Um, I, I guess I'm just like, I know I got homesick living in China for like just under <laughs> a year. So like that was here where I could still call home and all these things. So I would, I would not make it very far at all. The, the sense of adventure is, is lacking, but, um, how was I supposed to segue into my
1: thoughts about uh, the So game? you
0: wouldn't explore space, but would you explore Returnal or encourage others to explore <laughs> Returnal?
1: Well done. <laughs> Very nice. Perfect. I'm not good a job. good talker
0: except with segues. That's it. That's my only talent. There you go. Would Someone's I encourage people
2: it. to play and explore Returnal? Absolutely. It's a game that, even if you don't like difficult games, I think has the potential to kind of crack your egg and get you in. Um, if nothing else, big, shiny PS5 game. There's not a ton of those that are super compelling right now, or at least ones you can't find on other platforms as well. So if you're looking for something that really flexes your DualSense controller, like other than the Astro Boy game, which I have yet to play, but I keep hearing it's a really, really great case study for the controller, Um these, like, I, I think Returnal... It overcomes my sort of distaste of shooters, it overcomes my distaste of difficulty, um, and I would largely say that's the snappiness of the mechanics, the brilliance of the art direction, and then the drip-fed story, which every time it delivered had me just suddenly hooked in, motivated to play more. Um, having hit at least one roll of credits, I think there's more for me to explore, and I think I'm not done yet.
0: So, hmm. Katie, would you explore uh- distant worlds, <laughs> and would you encourage others to play Returnal?
1: So, in a, in an imaginary life where I have, I have no ties and things aren't going great and I'm like, sure, why not? What else am I gonna do? I am a fairly adventurous person and also kind, can be, um, fairly like self-sufficient in a loner kind of way where I'm like, I don't really need to talk to people for extended periods of time. Um, In that aspect, I could. In the way of I'd find some terrifying monster that might yeah, kill me in a horrifying way, no. So I guess no, I would not. But <laughs> I don't know. If I was like an ultra-competent astronaut, maybe. Myself, no. I like to imagine a me that could do that. But, you know.
0: A different maybe. timeline, a different loop of you yeah, that would enjoy I'll space. settle
1: for like, I'd like to explore random places on the planet by myself that'd be cool but distant worlds no um yeah no obviously if it's not apparent by now i love (laughs) this game it's really good um i it's just has that addictive quality where like you said with the drip feed story and also like drip feed mechanics it will slowly add mechanics in where i'll be like oh now you have your um your uh, your grapple hook, and now you have now you can go explore that other room that you couldn't explore earlier, or uh, new weapons all the time that you can test out and play with, and um, and yeah, every time you get to explore that house and see what crazy uh things it's got for you, that was always exciting. So I love this game. The gameplay is so much fun. I if you unless you hate action games, unless you're like, no, I don't play action games and I don't play shooters and I like purely narrative and I don't like these games, unless you're that person, I highly recommend Returnal to basically everyone. Um, yeah. Like you said, it, you're like, oh, I don't like, and Jacob, you're like, I don't like hard games. I don't like these fast twitch uh, bullet heli type games. And you got suckered in, you know, it just like puts its hooks in and then you're in. So you just want to continue on with Selene. So, yes, I recommend Returnal Highly to everyone. All the people.
0: Space scares me. Uh, I think often (laughs) of the Martian. It's a scary place. It's a scary... I think of the Martian. Matt Damon's the Martian. uh, I think of alien. has to poop on Martian space potatoes. I don't want
1: to do that. That's the scariest part of that? pooping really? on space potatoes no it's potatoes not. not like that an ear leak will suck the, the 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 air out of your lungs and then you'll suffocate to death in a horrifying manner that doesn't bother you pooping I was trying on to be potatoes funny. all
0: of the martians get all Even of like, space hey we're we're going to as a crew spend nine months of our life or whatever going back for our our compadre who may or may not be alive uh You know how you die in space? You just like breathe in the air, then you become a balloon, and then that's it. And then you freeze and die. That was morbid. (laughs) You know what's not morbid? Returnal. That's a good video game. It's a little
2: morbid. It's it's pretty morbid. morbid. (laughs) It's a dead child involved with the story.
1: It's extremely morbid.
2: (laughs) But I mean, not morbid for my body.
1: (laughs) She keeps dying and find previous dead (laughs) herself.
0: Yeah, Uh. but it's not me.
1: (laughs) That's true. You're right. You know, you get to inhabit that briefly and it's, it's, yeah. and it's a fun time.
0: Listen, we didn't even talk about all the mechanics in depth. Like we didn't talk about the trade-off that you like pick up parasites and like some of them give you malignancy or damage you, but then is the like trade-off good enough to, you know, pick up more parasites? Uh, no. We barely talked about like using the beam sword and how like satisfying that is. Like when I discovered the best part of this game is rushing up to enemies, slashing them with the sword and then like
1: shooting the heck out of them. This and game the alt- has fires. Layers, and layers. Yes,
0: all the alt fires
1: like and the way that feels on the um on the dual sense and how if you push it down halfway and that's it's the best use to me of that hard um pass on the trigger um where at first i would be like well i'm gonna alt fire by accident all the time no it's a good like you get the feel of of halfway down is aiming and then you click it past there and that engages your alt fire and it's Yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. And, each and it resists
0: you too when you like pull yeah. all the way down. Which to me there's only three games that have really made any use of the dual sense that is worthwhile it's astrobot which we've mentioned uh it is this game and then i think ratchet uh actually makes good use of the dual sense but there is not another good use case besides those three games to my knowledge there may be an indie game that someone's gonna scream at me about but like those are the big triple a titles that really make use of the of the dual sense this game's fantastic i gave it my like fourth game of the year last year but like I actually think long term, you know, those games that like always stay in your mind. Yeah. I think that Returnal is going to be one of those games that like the experience of playing it, like how visceral it was for me to play a hard game and like live, laugh, and love it. Uh, I'm going to remember this game for a long time. Uh, it is probably like my third favorite game last year after Before Your Eyes and Inscription. Um, you should play it if you have a PS5. You should buy it like it should be the first or second game you buy if you have a PlayStation 5. And I can't wait to see what Mark does next.
1: Celine is definitely not the type of person who has a live, laugh, love sign up on the wall in her house. Just saying. Oh, no. It's not she her doesn't. character. No, she doesn't. No. What does hers she say? She scoffs.
2: Hers is like oh, revive, rebirth, repeat or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> try harder. <laughs> just, just, just try harder. Get good. You, your try mother harder. says try harder. Yes. That's what it you're is not mean. good enough. <laughs> just remember when you wake up, you're not good enough.
0: What are those cross-stitched ones? Home sweet home?
1: Yes. Except, I see yes. that. But not, it's good <laughs> <laughs> not good enough.
0: Not good enough. good. Get good. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, hey, uh, those are our thoughts about Returnal. We could go on and on about this game, uh, but we're at 90 and, uh, this game's phenomenal. We'll just leave it at that. Um, thanks for listening to the show. A few things about us. You can find us on Twitter at Left Behind Club, on Instagram at Left Behind Game Club, and on Discord. We've got a great community of folks that love talking about video games, TV shows, game deals, and other stuff, uh, not politics at leftbehindgame.club slash discord. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, do us two favors. Uh, one, send it to a friend because that's how folks find out about podcasts. And give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform that you uh, use. And if you did that, send it to us and we'll read it on the show if you send it over. Uh, weirdly enough, I also now own newpodcast.day as a as a URL. So if you go there, you, do. <laughs> you can find the podcast. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> vanity URLs y'all uh flora tell the folks at home where you can be found on the internet
2: yeah, you can find me on Twitter at LudoNarrativeFM. Um, been sharing all sorts of things, including my uh, newfound interest for Spy Family, the anime which we have been talking about in the Discord as well. So come join in the Discord. And of course, um, pretty much every other week, I'm pu- publishing articles on EpilogueGaming.com. Um, I should have an article that actually touches a um, little more specifically on some of the elements of Returnal, and specifically um, the... A notion of, like, uploading and suspending your cycle and what that may or may not do to impact the difficulty. So, if you're interested in seeing me kind of dive into that in writing, that should come up just after
1: the podcast. So, Katie. I'm on Twitter. I'm Les Brack. L-E-S-P-E-R-A-K. I talk about whatever I feel like talking about that day. Sometimes that's Elden Ring. Sometimes that's, I don't know, uh, food. Uh, cats. Um... I don't know what I've talked about lately. It 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 comes and it goes, and then it leaves my mind, and I forget. But one of your tweets quote tweets the Yazification
0: of Sonic the Hedgehog. So you know that's a good Twitter feed.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what that's referring to. I have to recheck my own Twitter feed.
0: <laughs> uh, you are criminally like underfollowed.
2: So that may have been free coffee.
1: It has Follow to be the Sonic the
2: okay. original Sonic movie design, the yep. cursed yep. one that then got oh, my god.
1: How? <laughs> how did that happen that passed through so many rooms of what the old sonic for that movie looked like and so many people looked at that and said yep that's the one we're gonna do and they put that out into the world and that was almost sonic in the sonic Mm -hmm. movie how does that even happen how are so many eyeballs there has to be like hundreds of people looking at this sonic Mm -hmm. and they're like yep yep we're gonna roll with this it's mind-boggling that that and it turned into a successful movie only because everyone revolted and was like what are you doing but yeah it, it it's mind-boggling to me that that is almost what happened and it's- how many people were okay with it
0: If folks want to hear your opinions about video game movies, is there a place they can (laughs) do that?
1: that. You know what? Actually, there is. There is another podcast that I'm on. Me, Jacob, and another friend of ours, Travis Colnut, where we talk about video game movies and TV called Cutscenes, a video game movie podcast um, that is on all your major podcasting platforms. And yeah, we'll cover things like Sonic. You can hear me and Jacob disagree about uh, the quality of the first Sonic movie. well, oh. pro- mm, mm, mm. that's a bad for, movie for children, I suppose. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> the
0: Mario movie. Yeah, it's a bad movie. Uh-huh.
1: Mario is a wild adventure through a chaotic land that makes no sense, and I was highly entertained. And you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yes, if you want more of that, it. you got you got to listen to the podcast. We'll probably cover Sonic too in the near future. I would think. Yeah, we're on hiatus at the moment, but we're probably going to pick up pretty soon. So. So yeah, look for that. It's a seasonal podcast. There are three seasons out there. Check them out.
0: Uh, You can find me on all social places at Jacob McCourt, J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. Twitter is where I do my rambling and I make daily video content on TikTok. Uh, so help me get to a thousand followers, y'all, because that—that I'm trying to go live on that platform. So again, Jacob McCourt, J A C O B M C C O U R T. And if you like this podcast, I'm sure you're gonna like what I have to say on TikTok. My last three TikToks were about um, the eShop and how it's shutting down on the Wii U and 3DS. We talked about Castle Crashers and we talked about Doritos Crash Course. So good content coming through.
1: He's a TikTok uh, boy.
0: That's me. That is the end of the show. Uh, shout out Mike Ruffalo. Uh, and that, my friends, is one less game left behind.